good to see you, you sons and daughters of the living God. You believe that's your status tonight? Even if you don't believe it, it is. A son and a daughter of the living God. Man, if there is a word that defines the life of Jesus, this word comes to my mind. Compassion. Whenever you read a story about Jesus, if the crowd was there and the crowd was hungry, the Bible says Jesus had compassion on them and provided food. When he got out of a boat and everybody was surrounding him and they all wanted to be healed, and the Bible says Jesus had compassion on them. I would have loved to have been alive in Jesus' time and watch him show compassion to people. What did that look like? Not just healing and not just feeding them. The look in his eyes, the tone of his voice. Craig McNair Wilson does a one-man play, travels around the country depicting the life of Jesus. It's humorous, it's compassionate, and he tells a story about Jesus being with the disciples and their long journey and they finally come to a body of water, and they are hot and tired, and the disciples just take off their stuff. Jesus takes off his stuff and his sandals, and they wade out into the mud, out into the water, and they're just cooling themselves off and just refreshing one another. Peter, James, and John are having a little discussion over in the corner. Peter says, watch this. He bends down in the mud, makes a mud ball, <laughs> picks it up, makes sure no one's watching because John and Jesus are over there and, you know, John's always occupying Jesus' time, and thinks he's the most important, thinks he's the most beloved. And Peter finds a moment and chucks that mud ball through the air just as John turns and the mud ball hits Jesus right in the side of the face. Peter cowers. Sons of thunder. You idiot! Peter, don't say anything. Maybe Jesus won't know who threw it. He knows everything, you dumb. Peter cowers a little bit. After a brief moment of time, whack! On the back of Peter's head, a mud ball explodes. Peter jerks up. You see the great big smile on Jesus' face. Compassion? Yeah, I think so. Jesus had compassion on people. And that is what you and I must have as well. And all people will know that we are followers of Christ if we have love or compassion for one another. That's the mark. It's not membership. It's not what you believe. It's what? It's compassion. Those things are important. I'm not saying they're not important. But we got to have compassion for one another. What does that look like? We took a group of kids, and maybe some of you probably have done this, on a mission trip. Anybody been on a short-term mission trip? 
Look at all the hands. Wow. You know what happens on those trips? You get out of your comfort zone. You get a chance really to go out and just say, man, I'm here to do compassion. First, well, the first trip we took, we went to Cancun, Mexico. Now, I know somebody's got to go to Cancun. Okay. I know you see the pictures and the postcards and the beaches and the hotels, but boy, you cross the river from the hotel zone and go over the bridge into Cancun, and it's desolate. Where the people live that come over across the bridge to work for all the tourists. We're going down there just to help build the church. We're trying to find a cheap way to get there, so we chartered out of Nashville, Tennessee, on a plane that was loaded full of people going down to Cancun to gamble. We got about 20 extra spots on the plane. We got cheap tickets, so we said, well, well, we'll go with them. We're not going to gamble. We're going to go down and we'll get on a cheap flight and work good. So I got all the kids organized. You know, when you're in charge, you got to make sure everybody's in the right place at the right time. Got all my checklisted and finally got in. I'm, my seat's way in the back because all the gamblers had all the good seats up front, so I'm all the way in the back, and we take off, and pretty soon I look up, and here, here are some of the kids in our group, and they're kind of causing a little commotion, it looks like, and they're making their way down the aisle. I go, oh, my. Now what are they doing? What is going on? Can they not just behave? Or just, it's just going to be a short flight, and then and they keep coming back, and I see that they're going through each of the row, and, and they're talking to people, and, and they've got a little bag with them, and they get a little closer, and pretty soon I can hear what they're saying. They're talking to the plane load of gamblers, saying, hey, we want to give you an opportunity. Uh, hey, we, we're just here to invite you. You don't have to do this, but we just want to invite you that if you have some money with you, you might like to contribute to our group because we're going down to build a church for people that need a church to worship God. Forgive me, Lord. Look at what they're doing. They get to the back of the plane, and they plop this bag down in my lap. And man, money, 20s, a 50s coming out of this bag. It's just loaded full of money. Here, Pastor Ken, what inspired you guys to do this? He says, oh, man, we just knew these people would be compassionate. How did you know that? Oh, they're going to gamble. But, you know, really, if they think maybe they're giving some money to a good cause, they might be blessed at the gambling table. <laughs> I noticed that they never said, hey, you gamblers, you should give to this. How are we just going to what? Invite you to give. And if their gambling buddy was giving money, then they had to give money. I love that. You know, and that's what we do when we share the gospel of Jesus. We ought not to be up here telling you, you should follow, you should do this, you should. You hear that enough. You know what the joy of telling the gospel story is I get to invite you to be compassionate to God's people, to all people. Isn't that fun? One more Mexico trip story. Mexico City this time. 25, 26 million people. They don't know. Maybe 30 million. They, they don't keep track anymore. Kids everywhere. People everywhere. Traffic, congestion, it's unbelievable. Little kids 
five and six develop lung cancer because of the what? You know where they're running around here at this level, where all the car fumes, all the exhaust and those gases come and the kids get sick and ill and develop cancer at early age in the city because there's just so much congestion. We're going down, we're gonna build a church, do some relief work, P-E-M-E-X, Pemex, Pemex, however you want to uh, say it, is the gasoline company that's run by the government, and you have Pemex stations everywhere. It's not Exxon, Texaco, and Shell, and all. It's just one gas station in, in all of Mexico. The government runs it. Uh, the holding tanks in, in Mexico City, the big white tanks that you see in America, they had rows and rows of them, and one of them exploded, which caused multiple explosions down throughout this outside of Mexico City and it just fired, just raged up and down these little corridors where people lived in aluminum and cardboard places. People were killed. It was a terrible mess. We're going to down do some relief work there. But the story I want to tell you about is that um, lots of begging going on in, in, in Mexico City. If you go ride the subway, which is the main source of transportation, a rush hours from like three till seven every day. I mean, it's just millions of people going through the subway. And so I say, okay, kids, now I told you to bring some special money to, to save. Keep that money in your pocket. Don't give it to the beggars in the subway station or on the street on our way there. Save it because we're going to a special place and that's where I want you to use your money. Okay, Pastor Ken, okay. So we make our way and of course, as soon as we get to the subway stations, what's happening? Kids are pulling out their money. And they got to hold the money. Hold, what, Pastor Ken, these people are just trying to hold the money. So we get down, and I mean, there are just people jammed everywhere, and the bells are ringing when the train comes in and the doors open. And if you look at the, at the doors as, as they close, there's like rubber gaskets on the end, and they're sh- shaped. They're, they're not, they don't meet up square. It's like shaped because they try to get as many people in. Well, I'm trying to get all my group in. I got all my group in, and I'm outside the door. And the door goes, bing, 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 starts ringing, starts to close. I said, ah, I started screaming. Of course, the Mexican people are a little shorter than I am, so I had a little advantage. I just scream. I see my kids. I got to get on there. I got to get on there. All of a sudden, I feel these hands on, on my back, and they're pushing me and moving me, and okay. Then the doors close. Bang, bang. It hits me on the side, and I said, oh, and that's why those rubber things are all shaped. Bang, bang. Did it again, twice. Bang, bang. Bells and whistles are going off. All of a sudden, I hear behind me. Uno, dos, tres. And now like I've been hit by a truck. Boom, everybody pushed me in, inside and the doors go bang and they close and I'm just stuck in like this. And I could turn around just enough. Must have been 500 people all going. <laughs> in the subway, we got off on our station, met with my groups here, here, there. It's kind of a early evening time. I said, okay, we're going down a couple blocks and to the right. I said, I'm going to give you about 30 minutes at this place. What, what are we going to do, Pastor? I said, I told you to bring some money. You're going to have a chance to share some of your funds. And, okay. Down two blocks to the right. As soon as we made that corner, out came kids with chiclets, little things to sell. And immediately the kids went for their money. They're buying gum, buying stuff. Look down a little bit farther. Here come some kids, bandaged arms, in slings, a 
couple kids come sliding on cardboard, losing themselves, legs broken, their legs dangled, the bandage, some open wounds, some other things, some kids in head bandages. You can imagine the scene. Here are kids, some already mad because they already gave their money away. The little kids with their hands up. We watch as our kids begin to play with them, sing songs with them. I don't know what all was going on, you know, the language barriers, but they were having just, just a wonderful time. Oh, okay, it's been 30 minutes, it's time to go. Oh, wow, we don't want to go yet. Oh, we got to go, we got to get back. No, can't we just stay longer? I said, no, Pastor Ken, that's not fair. Back down a little bit. Before we got back on the subway, I said, well, how was, how was that experience? All those little kids. Some of the kids are crying, right? They've been moved. I said, now, I got to tell you something. You know those kids that had broken arms and broken limbs? I said, most of those kids had their arms broken, legs twisted, heads banged in, cuts and bruises on their arms and bodies done to them by their parents because they can get more money in that broken condition from the tourists that come by. Why did you bring us here? Why did you tell us that? Why we don't said because those are things that break the heart of God. things that break the heart of God must also be the things that break our hearts. Jesus had compassion on them. Matthew 25, if you have your scriptures, records the last sermon of Jesus Christ on earth. He knows that in just a few days he's going to hang on a cross with all the sins of the world on his heart. He's going to die a terrible, cruel death because he has compassion for sinners. If I knew I was going to die, I wonder what I'd do. If I knew I had a couple days, now there'd probably be some things I'd want to apologize for, make, make right, wouldn't there? Probably some ice cream I'd still like to have, right? Probably want to make sure I touch base with all the people that are so important to me. I have some big thank yous to say. Make sure my house is in order and things are done. If I had a sermon to preach and knew it was my last, what would it be? But I talk about the importance of God's law, how God's law is love and mercy. Yeah, that'd be high on my list. The importance of the Sabbath. The importance of loving God with all my heart, my mind, and my soul. 
Micah doing justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly. All those things. What, what would I speak about? What would Jesus preach about? Matthew 25 records the story. Are you ready? When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him. Not if. You with me? It's when. When he comes. People, he's coming back again. The Son of Man is going to return to this. When he comes, he's going to come in all his glory and all the angels with him. Man, I want to be alive when that happens. I never thought I'd be this old. <laughs> Jesus was supposed to come by now. But he hasn't. But that doesn't mean he isn't. When he comes, with all the angels with him, he'll sit down on his glorious throne. Everybody's going to be gathered in his pre presence from all nations. And then he separates the people into how many groups? Two groups. The sheep and the goats. The sheep on the right, the goats on the left. How many groups? Only two. People, there's no group in the middle. <laughs> there's nobody saying now, oh man, now it's getting close, I better make a decision. Ooh, now I better be found on the right side. No, the time to be found on the right side is right now. N nobody in the middle right in the fence. When the Son of Man comes, when that day comes, all the angels with him and he sits on his throne, there's only going to be two groups, sheep and goats. Let's find out what the difference between them is. King says to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. In the beginning of time, God had a plan to save you. Not something he's just cooked up because things went bad. From the creation of the world, God has a place and a plan for your eternal life. I can love that kind of God. I can trust my life into the hands of that kind of God. Look what he does. For I was hungry. You fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me a drink. I was a stranger. You invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Now I've heard some proponents read this verse and say, man, there it is. There's the works. You got to do something to get into heaven. People, we don't do good things to get to heaven. We do good things because we're going to heaven. What a big difference. We don't do good things to get to heaven. We do good things because we're going there. And now these groups are, both groups are kind of scratching their heads. Well, Jesus, when did we see you hungry and thirsty and naked or, or in prison? And when were you ever a stranger? You know, and, uh, maybe they argued a little bit like this. Uh, I was hungry. And you formed a social Facebook group to talk about my hunger issues. I was in prison, and you crept off quietly to the chapel and prayed for my release. Oh, I was naked, and you went through your closet and gave all the clothes that you would never wear again to Dorcas. I was sick. You knelt and thanked God for your health and your vegan eating habits. 
I was homeless. And you talked to me about the social ills that inhabited the world of the homeless. I was lonely. So you just left me alone, but you did pray for me. No. Doesn't cut it, does it? The sheep did something. It's not faith in works. It's a faith that works. We don't do good things to get to heaven. We do good things because we're going to heaven. Mother Teresa said this, not all of us can do great things, but we all can do small things with great love. That's inspired. We all may not do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Now this story came to life for me at a camp meeting, much similar to this, except it was a weekend camp meeting at a big church in California. My job was to help with the juniors, and I love juniors at, at camp meeting. They, they just, they, they, love the, they love to sing, they love a story, they love to have fun. They really haven't quite figured out who the opposite sex is yet, so they're just in, into the program. We are singing up there and having a good time. There was a short devotional. And then this particular camp meeting had a tradition. And the tradition was all 60 of the juniors played the adult leaders in a softball game after the short meeting because there was a big park right next to the church. So we had our little meeting, ran out there, and the kids have brought ball gloves and and I'm telling you, I don't know if you've ever played softball or baseball with 60 kids in the field. Incredible. No way. The adults were just getting creamed. They'd hit a fly ball, hit one way out in the outfield. They'd hit a kid's glove, pop out, pop into another glove. It just, they were, they were wiping out. Of course, every time the kids scored, they got a uh, bubble gum or a piece of candy or something was fun. And they were having a great time. And, and out in left field comes a homeless person. And you, obviously, he's carrying this big grocery, brown grocery sack. He sits out in left field and watching the kids play and watching everything going on. But pretty soon he gets up from left field and comes over by the third base bleachers there and pokes around in a garbage can, sits down on the bench. <laughs> obviously, a homeless person, uh, dead of summer, and he's dressed in a full-length, uh, like a green army coat. Uh, He's got a wool cap pulled over his head. You know, from a distance, you can tell he's unshaven, hair coming out from under him, ripped blue jeans and tennis shoes and carrying this bag. And pretty soon he opens his bag and pulls out a piece of paper and he handed it to a couple of kids sitting there and handed it to an adult. And you can hear him say, you kids can't play here. I'm in charge of the park. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, you kids can't play here. He's handing his papers out and they were telephone page books. You don't even know what a telephone book looks like, do you? Huh? <laughs> In the Bay Area, a telephone book was like this big, and he was tearing pages out of this book and handing it to kids. Well, pretty soon the third base bleachers cleared. He sat by himself, picked up his bag, and then walked across the ball diamond from third base 
all the way over to first base, and the game stops. And everybody just kind of watched. <coughs> he went over to the garbage can that was by first base, set his bag down, pulled out a piece of paper, handed it to a kid that was there, and handed it to an adult that was there, and they spread away. And he went into the garbage can, rummaged around. When he came out, he'd found a little Debbie or Hostess Twinkie wrapper, chocolate, cellophane, with icing on it or something, because he worked that down and then worked it up, and he had this mound of icing on his finger. Held it up, looked at it, opened his mouth, and put it in. And 60 juniors in full uni unity and chorus went, And they, they came in and started to gather around. He folded that cellophane up, put it in his bag, went in again. This time he'd found a juice or some kind of bottle with stuff still on the bottom. Held it up, swirled it around, and to his lips, down it went. And 60 juniors in full chorus went, have I told you this before? Yes. Now the adults are looking around. Well, it's almost time to time to end this, right? <laughs> almost time. What are we going to do? Unshaven, dirt in his hair clumped together that came out under that wool hat, black greasy face. Fingernails were long, untrimmed, but black un under there. There was an odor about him. And a little junior girl, brown eyes, kind of pushed through everybody, comes up and tugs on this guy's sleeve. Hey, mister. Boy, he jumped back, went into his bag, pulled out a page from the phone book says, you kids can't play here. You're not supposed to play here. She says, this is just a page from the phone book. Uh-uh, it's official. Hey, mister, tug, tug. What's your name? And the adult leader's going, oh, I guess that's a fair question. <laughs> uh, Rodney. Rodney, her eyes lit up. I have a pet rat named Rodney. <laughs> Rodney, are you hungry? Adults going, good question too. And then we watched this girl's face. The best word I could say is light up. And she put both her hands in the air. Rodney, I know. You can come with me to the church. We have food at the church. And the adult leader is going, that's not a good thing, Carla. <laughs> no, I don't. No hesitation. She reached out and took his hand. Well, well, he stammered on, oh, my, my bag. And he grabbed his bag. And when he turned to move, he tripped and fell flat down on the ground. Folks, I'm telling you, when he hit the ground, 
it was like all that compressed air that was inside there just kind of went whoosh. And I'm telling you, people went, oh, P.U. You know how juniors can be. <laughs> you know how adults are. Rodney, Rodney, the little junior girl with the brown eyes. Are you okay? Are you okay? Of course, his bag had fallen open. The bottle had come out, and his phone book had come out. She gathered all that up. She helped him up, and then one adult, compassion, one adult bent down, picked him up, and made her way over to the pickup truck that had bought the bases and the balls and some of the equipment. And you can see the adults huddle over here. Oh, man, what are we going to do? Well, what are we going to do with Rodney now? Oh, the meeting's going to be out. And, man, you know, the new junior room has been redecorated up there. It's all the way up front by the, by the sanctuary. And if the adults get out, and, oh, and so here's their prayer. You can imagine it with me. Dear Jesus, don't let the adult meeting get out. Don't let Help us know what to do with Rodney. Got Rodney in the truck, drove her over to the church. They got out of their truck and made their way about the length from here to the end of the, end of the hall to, to where the junior room was. And Jesus had chosen not to answer that prayer. Those church doors on the back opened up. The organ music began to waft. And the people are coming this way from camp meeting. And the junior leaders what, with this little brown-eyed girl are leading Rodney down the middle of the aisle. I know how Moses felt when the Red Sea parted. I mean, people just went <laughs> to the wall. You could see them cover their nose, cover their mouth. Oh, and, you know, it smelled. It just did. Boom, boom, boom. Man, this little girl pulled out a chair for Rodney. The adults did crowd control, keeping all the kids out of the room. She sat him down there. She says, Rodney, just stay right here. I'll be right back. The adults are over huddling. Well, this is part of the program. Yeah, everything's okay. The parents are knocking on the door, looking at it. Yeah, it's, it's all good. Yeah, we, we got it covered. Everything, everything's under control. I don't know where this girl knew where the food was, but she knew where it was. She came back with a big styrofoam plastic plate. Food all over that plate. There were vegetables. There was salad. There was, uh, on the top, there's a round piece of mystery meat. And then on top of that, a scoop of cottage cheese. Okay, she's got a fork and a napkin in her hand, and she sat that plate right on Rodney's lap. Rodney saw that white cottage cheese, and he said, ice cream! Took his hand, hit that cottage cheese, got most of it, straight in. Of course, the rest of it went on the floor on the new carpet in the junior room, down the front of his, Rodney, Rodney, wait! She took the napkin and wiped his face, wiped his jacket, handed him the fork. You ever seen an electric fork? He had that plate right here, and it just went like this. Just putting it away. And when he was done with the plate, what did he do? He licked it. He took this one. Put the plate to his face and just licked it. Now the grease and the grime and the food, and it's just a mess. Again, she takes the napkin and wipes, wipes his face. Okay, well, good. Let's, let's, let's go now. It's all, it's all over. You fed him. 
Rodney, where do you live? I live at the park. You live at the park? Yep. The police have put me in charge of the park. And he went for his bag and got a, tore out a page. Says, See, police put me in charge of this park. You kids aren't supposed to be playing there. Oh, Rodney, you can't sleep in the park. Yep, I do. I'm in charge of the park. And for the second time that night, her face lit up. And when her face lit up, her hands went up. Rodney, I know. You can come and stay at our house tonight. We have an extra bedroom. And she bolted out of that room before anybody could get her. All right. Go with me. Be a junior leader now. Be an adult junior leader. Who wants to talk to mom when mom comes to the door? Guess who's coming over for the night? Yeah, at least he's had supper. You know, like, no. So quick huddle. The adult leaders, they got Rodney together, grabbed his bag, back out the door into the truck and took him back to the park. Now, how many think they did the right thing? How many think they did the wrong thing? How many think you'd have done the same thing? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's Thursday night. Friday night, we're singing songs up front. You're sitting in a bad spot. Sorry, Stephen. Just got to pick on you a little bit. Here, here, comes, here comes this little girl, this little junior girl. She sits right down front, and we're singing. Her hand goes up. I said, yes, do you have a favorite? <laughs> she says, no. Where's Rodney? I want to tell you something. What, what you did for Rodney really made God's word come alive last night for all of us. What do you mean? Well, and then we opened our Bibles to Matthew 25. Uh, you remember the story where Jesus says, I was hungry and you what? You, you fed me. So I don't know where you got all that food, but you fed Rodney. That really made an impression. And, and even more so, Rodney was a stranger and you offered to do what? I was ready to take him home. I know, we watched that. That made God's word come alive. You're a sheep. A what? Yeah. You're, you're what Jesus' last sermon was about. You did for Jesus. I mean, you treated Rodney just like it was Jesus. The Bible says, well, you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren. You've done it unto me. That made the Bible come alive for for me. Um, hey, have we ever met before? She looked at me and she says, no, who are you? I said, are you sure? She says, yeah, I, I don't know you. I said, no, you don't. But what you did for Rodney last night is something I will never, ever forget. She's looking at me kind of That old wolf ski cap. That was, that was my ski cap. And I didn't shower for about four days. Let my hair go and took some engine oil and dirt, matted it together and put it in the hair. 
didn't shave and put engine oil on my face and under my fingernail. I said, what you did for Rodney is something I'll never, ever forget. Now our eyes are big again. I said, yeah. smelly when I was a kid. And I remember you, adult leader, when I handed you that piece of paper, you crumpled it up and laughed and kind of laughed in my face and called me crazy. I said, don't smoke, man. Don't do that. But what you did for Rodney is something I'll never, ever forget. Now she raises her hand against it and says, were you really Rodney? see, about a month before, I was just ready to make the move to California. Except, didn't know anybody. Nobody knew that I was coming, but the leader of the junior group called me and said, you know, we've got to do something to shake these senior kids up. They're living too comfortable. We've got to help explain the gospel to them. What can we do? So just one other adult and I knew, and we set this up, and it worked. The stuff in the garbage can was Providence. I didn't know it, didn't plan it, it just happened to be in there. What you did for Rodney made God's word come alive. I told that story at a camp meeting not too long ago, and this girl came up afterwards and said, I was there. I was in that group. I remember. People all the things Jesus could have said. Sheep and goats, listen, we have compassion on one another. This is the difference that marks those that are saved and those that are lost. Oh, wait a minute, we did a lot of good things. Nah, you didn't do them for the right reason. The way you treat the little people of this world. Abraham Lincoln, when he was president, had a lot of stress over the slavery issue, the contention between the North and the South. We were reading a little biography about him, and the biographer said that it was often his practice whenever he could, he'd slip out of the White House. Well, he didn't have all the security and stuff that we have today. He'd slip out of the White House with his personal aid, and he'd go down two blocks to the Methodist Church on Wednesday night for prayer meeting. And on one particular Wednesday night, the preacher preached, preached a pretty good sermon. Everybody left, but Lincoln stayed in his seat. His personal assistant had known that you follow the president, you don't lead him. So the personal assistant sat there with him. But it was like 30 minutes after the sermon, everybody's gone. Finally, the assistant said, Mr. President, don't you think it's time to leave? President said, yeah, probably. But, but wasn't that a good sermon? Wasn't, well, really, wasn't that a great sermon? And the president said, well, it was a good sermon. But it wasn't a great sermon. And his assistant said, why? Why wasn't it a great sermon? And Lincoln simply turned to him and said, because the preacher never asked me to do something. So tonight I'm going to ask you to do something. 
have compassion for God's people. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, take the stranger in, visit the sick, go to the prisons where hurting people are, and treat the least of these as though you were doing it to Jesus Christ.